Yes, Lord, we pray today that our hearts would be so captivated by you that these words would be true of us, Father. That we would be a people that say, better is one day with you than a thousand elsewhere. Better it is right now, Lord, to sit in this space, listening to your word, being the people of God together than it is to be any other place right now, Father. I pray, Lord, for hearts to awaken. If any hearts today don't feel this, this statement is true of themselves, Holy Spirit, will you come and wake up hearts that we would be people who say, Lord, it is truly better to be with the Lord than to be anywhere else in the world. Any other moment, Lord, doesn't compare to the moments than being with you. Lord, thank you that the invitation constantly and always stands and it's always inviting us, Lord, to come and be with you. And today as we open up your word, let that invitation be ever clear to all of our hearts, Lord Jesus. And let this be the kind of house and the church and the people that say, yes, Lord, we want to be the people of God that loves to dwell with God in our midst. Lord, I pray that you would minister to your people as you desire to today. Lord, I pray that I would fade into the background and even my words would, and that they would see the Lord, that they would see Yahweh, that they would see the King, that they would see Jesus, that they would know, Spirit of God, you dwell within them and you dwell amongst them. I pray for that today in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I love that song. It's one of my favorites, um, although it's a classic, but it just always captivates my heart. It's a prayer that I love praying, and it's a joy today to, to preach uh, Psalm 84, to look at what the psalmist wrote and the depths in it this week, preparing it. As always, I love the word. It just flooded over me like gushes of rivers of water, refreshing my own soul, and I believe that's what God wants to do for all of us today. I want you to think about the most amazing, perfect, ideal place that you could go to tomorrow. If you had a choice of any place in the world that you want to go to, where would that be? Maybe you've been dreaming like myself over the past year and a half of traveling to distant lands and beautiful places. Uh, maybe you have chosen sometimes to go into nature and up, up a hike or go to the beach and just be refreshed by a different environment. If there's one thing I believe this season has produced in all of us, it is the sense of longing, a desire, a longing, uh, a hunger, and a, and, a, and a chasing after something more. What would that place be if you could choose anywhere in the world to be tomorrow? So I actually want you guys to share that with one another. You might be surprised uh, what comes out. So if you're with people in a room, take a moment and tell them what that place would be and why you would like to be there. I'm going to give you guys a second to do that. Great. Now, as we sang already and as we're going to read in the 84th Psalm, the psalmist had only one place in mind and he was thinking about the dwelling place of God. And I call Psalm 84 a psalm of movement. 
Because you see his heart moving towards God. And then he speaks about the physical movement of, of pilgrimage walking towards the place of meeting God. Because for the Jewish people, they had these moments of, of journeying, of, of sojourning, of pilgrimage towards the tabernacle or the temple so that they can meet with God. And this whole psalm becomes a psalm of movement. And different to the place that we might have dreamed about that we want to be tomorrow Right now, today, we have opportunity to move right to the place where God is. In fact, I think it's more than that. I think God has been drawing close and moving towards us always and at all times. And it's just us taking one step closer. Psalm 84 is a psalm of longing. And it's written by the sons of Korah, which means that it's not just a very personal psalm, which when you read it or even sing it, it becomes quite personal, but it's meant to be used in community. It doesn't just speak about the individual's heart longing, desiring, seeking after God and His dwelling place. It speaks about the community on pilgrimage together, moving towards that movement towards God and the place that He dwells. The psalmist uses phenomenally strong language. He speaks about longing. He says, I cannot wait. He says, my soul faints. It's almost like when I think of God and his dwelling place, my entire body just becomes jelly because of the beauty of who God is. So there's this idea of movement towards God. And in many ways, it's exactly where we are at today. We desire that invitation to say, guys, let's gather. Let's get together. Let's come together as the people of God and, and then there's just a sense in our heart that we can go and be the people of God together. But also the invitation is still today for you as an individual to move closer to Jesus, to move your heart closer to Him. So today as we go through this psalm, my prayer is that you would kickstart your heart into motion, that you would kickstart it into action of seeking and longing and desiring after God. Like the sons of Korah, they were writing a psalm about this pilgrimage and they're using words of plurality. So they're not talking just about the me or the you, but they're talking about us. As us go up, as we walk, as we journey towards Zion, the meeting place of God, and we see this in Scripture that both the church is both the meeting place of God individually and corporately. Romans 8 comes to mind. You, however, and, and, and Paul speaking to the collective church, you are not in flesh but in spirit, if in fact the Spirit of God dwells in you. And then in Ephesians 2, the same. In Him also you are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. So today we aren't just looking forward to next week's gathering or to Thursday night's prayer meeting and the longing and the desire to be with God Today, wherever you're listening to this message, you are the dwelling place of the Spirit. You are, as an individual who follows Christ and have been giving your life to Him, you own that place, that tabernacle, that temple where His Spirit dwells. So today I pray, and my prayer is, that your heart would encounter Him there. We are as individuals, the Zion, the place of meeting. But then we are as the church, the gathered people, that meeting place in so much more power and beauty. And the invitation today is for both.
Now, Psalm 84 speaks about this pilgrimage towards the church, the meeting place, the place of, of, of gathering around God and, and His songs and His purposes. But concealed in the psalm is more than the movement. Concealed in Psalm 84 is more than the invitation to long and desire after God. Locked up in the words of this psalm are many nuances and promises and a description of the life that is lived when a heart is set on pilgrimage towards God. Those who desire God like the psalmist, like the sons of Korah describes, their lives look massively different, uniquely different. They don't need the escapism of the world to dream of a better place that they might one day see. They can go to that place where everything they need is supplied for in God himself. So today I want to title my message, All Who Walks Towards Him. And it's an invitation. Are you part of the, the greater church, the, the body of Christ? And are you in your own walk part of that group, that collective group, all of those who walk towards Him? And just like the sons of Korah, the invitation is that you will become part of all of those who walk towards Him. So let's read this 84th Psalm together. How lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord of hosts. My soul longs, yes, it faints for the courts of the Lord. My heart and flesh sing for joy to the living God. Even the sparrow finds a home and the swallow a nest for herself, where she may lay her young at your altars, O Lord of hosts, my King and my God. Blessed are those who dwell in your house, ever singing your praise. Selah. Blessed are those whose strength is in you, in whose heart are the highways to Zion. As they go through the valley of Baca, they make it a place of springs. The early rain also covers it with pools. They go from strength to strength. Each one appears before God and Zion. O Lord, God of hosts, hear my prayer. Give ear, O God of Jacob. Selah. Behold our shield, O God. Look on the face of your anointed. For a day in your courts is better than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of wickedness. For the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord bestows favor and honor. No good thing does he withhold from those who walk uprightly. O Lord of hosts, blessed is the one who trusts in you. I love this psalm. <laughs> I can't tell you guys enough and this week in preparing the message, I thought about it. I'm like, I don't want me to just preach the psalm. I actually want us as a church to practice it. That's been what the series is about. Plant it, practicing the psalms. Not just hearing it and a great message and your heart is somewhat moved, but actually to put it into practice. One of the words that come up three times in the psalm is the word Selah. Now, there's no 
translation for that word. And the better word to use is that it's a transliteration, meaning that the exact word, we're not sure what it means, but it implies uh, some kind of musical moment. And what people believe it is, is it's a moment of pause where the music or the singing stops so that those who are engaged in it can pause and reflect on that which they have already sung, on that which they have already said. And today we're going we're gonna to look at the psalm in the same way. We're going to look at each of the three sections. And the first section ends with a sailor. The second one ends with a sailor. And then the last one ends. And I'm going to be looking at each one of these sections. But then at the end of the section, we're going to practice the psalm and take a moment to reflect on it. That's how we take the Word of God and make it so practical. In preparation for today, I was speaking to Eliana on Monday. And I said, something in my heart says that there's a song for this coming Sunday, that we've got to sit down and look at the psalm and, and create a space, an environment, a moment for the people of God to sell her, to reflect on the word. So by God's faithfulness and, and our desire and really believing that the Holy Spirit wants to do something unique today, we've written a song based on Psalm 84. And how are we going to do this today is I'm going to preach a section and then Helena is going to respond by singing. I'm going to go to the second section she will respond in singing the third and the same. And each of these responding moments is an opportunity for you to reflect. It's, it's almost like this ebb and flow. This, this lean, leaning into the word of God and then say, okay, Holy Spirit, come and reveal to me what I've just read. And then in the revealing, this reflection upon that in our own walk and how do we apply it. And then we get to respond with our own praises in our lives. So I hope you guys are ready for something different today. And here we go. Let's go through Psalm 84 in each of its movements. I'm going to read again. How lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord of hosts. My soul longs, yes, faints for the courts of the Lord. My heart and flesh sing for joy to the living God. The psalmist makes rhetorical statements. He asks rhetorical questions. How lovely is your dwelling place? Almost saying that when I think about it, I don't have apt words to describe it. My soul tries to, my spirit tries to, but when I think about God and where He dwells, and, and when I think about God and who He is, my words fall short. So all my soul can say is, how lovely is it? How beautiful it is. If you've ever seen someone falling in love for the first time, trying to describe that their, their person of affection to you, words just sometimes fall short. And the best thing they could do is say, let me introduce you to this person. And here the sons of Korah are saying, God, when we think about you and where you dwell, our words fall short. All we can say is, it is just so lovely. And then I love the word that they use and how they describe Yahweh. They say, how lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord of hosts. Jehovah Sabahot, which means the Lord of heavenly hosts or the Lord of armies. So they're speaking about this God and his dwelling place, which they are approaching and, and they are walking towards. But then in their minds and their souls, they think about just how big 
and impressive and, and large and, and awesome he is. The Lord of angel armies is the words that they use. The one who comes from the heavenly and all the heavenly hosts are around him. And then they say, when I think about that God, my soul faints. When I sit and think about his awesomeness, his how big he is, how incredible he is, indescribable, perfect he is, my soul faints within me. And that's the beauty of the gospel is when we truly think about God's otherness, the invitation of Jesus becomes loud. He says, I want you to yet come closer. But the psalmist doesn't leave us there. In the same breath, they, they continue singing this. Even the sparrow finds a home. Even the swallow a nest for herself. Where she may lay her young at your altars, O Lord of hosts, my King and my God. Blessed are those who dwell in your house, ever singing your praise. What the psalmist is describing here is that this God of heavenly host, of perfection, of otherness, of awesomeness, the Lord of angel armies, is also the Lord taking care of the smallest, most fragile. The Lord of the heavenly host is the Lord of the small sparrow. And that's describing God in his fullness. That he is so awesome and indescribable, yet he is so gently and fatherly that even the smallest, most fragile birds find his altars, his dwelling place, the best place to lay their eggs and to see their young raised up. Isn't that beautiful? Maybe sometime in this past months, you felt like you're part of the Lord's army. You're strong, you're going, but maybe quickly that's turned around and it's felt to you like you are suddenly weak as a young nestling, as a young small swallow, just weak and fragile. And this is what the sons of Korah are doing. They're saying, you know what? God and His dwelling place is the perfect place for both. Sometimes we fall into the notions of our own efforts and and excitement and and we believe we've got to just be so strong for another day we believe we've got to proclaim things and declare things and fight things yet our souls are battling and we feel like a sparrow we feel like a little chick that's just born from a little egg god says to both of you whether you feel as strong as a heavenly host or as small as a little bird come to my dwelling place long for that Desire that. Be there. Let that be the thing that you pursue. And so beautifully written here that we can even bring our little ones, our children along. The metaphor there, like these little birds find a nest there and they let their, their hatchlings come out there. God is saying, like even your children, let them come to my dwelling place. And I want to say at this point, Selah. Let's reflect on that. Let's close our eyes and think about our own position at the moment. And I want to read this to you. The Lord of angel armies, the Lord of fragile young, all who walks towards Him, He lives and dwell among.
Everyone is welcome to the dwelling place of God. And how blessed it is to be there. And then our psalm continues into the second part. It starts off by saying, Blessed are those whose strength is in you, in whose heart are the highways to Zion. In whose heart are the paths, the highways, the direction towards meeting with you, God. Blessed are those If you had to investigate your heart, could you call your heart a highway to the dwelling place of God? We've just seen now how the heavenly hosts and the smallest sparrow is invited. But what about you? If you had to look at your own heart, can you say, my heart is a place that is like a highway directing me towards God? Or are you walking on alternative and other roads? Now the psalmist goes into an interesting twist in the story. He thinks about the pilgrimage of going towards the meeting place and and he says, my heart is set on going there, Lord. And, And then he realizes, but as I go there, there's a specific place I'm going to have to walk through in my going. As we go there together, as we sing our songs of ascent in moving there, there's some place we're going to have to walk through. And this is where this part comes and he says, as they go through the valley of Baca, they make it a place of springs. The early rain also covers it with pools. They go from strength to strength. Each one appears before God in Zion. Now this is fascinating. The valley of Baca, as we try and understand, because there's not a whole lot of reference, but I've done quite a lot of reading to figure this out, but the Valley of Baca was considered a very dry and arid valley, sun-scorched, and this would have been on the way to Jerusalem, the meeting place of God. And for the psalmists and those going there, they, they had to be real about the fact that they're going to have to walk through this valley. In some cases, this valley has actually been called the valley of weeping or the valley of tears. And in their pilgrimage of pursuing the Lord, they knew that there's going to be this valley. And isn't that so true 
in our own walk, that in our pilgrimage and our desire after God and His dwelling place, we walk through valleys. And those valleys are hard and those valleys are, are, are moments of weeping and tears. I look around the world and I even think of my own heart and this past season feels like a valley of Baca. It feels of, of, of just, just hardship and suffering and the sun scorching, scorching us and it's tough. But the psalmist, like we've learned through, through the Psalms of Lament, he doesn't stay there. He doesn't say, oh goodness, the valley of Baca is ahead. Mm, let me rather not go and meet with the Lord. <laughs> no, he says, let's move in there. But then he speaks in quite beautiful language about what could happen in the dry valley when the people of God move through it in faith towards the dwelling place of God. And he says this, as we walk through it, we make it a place of springs and the rain, the harvest or the, 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 the autumn rains will come and it will fall in that valley. And that is what we are called to as to people of God, not just walking towards the dwelling place of being with Him, but when we find ourselves in these valleys, we take Him right there with us. And we say, even in the valley, Lord, I will praise, I will sing, I will believe. Even if I feel fragile like a sparrow or I feel strong like someone in your army, I'm going to go through this valley and I'm going to turn the dry places into pools. Do you believe that's possible? I do today. And I want to say it's time for the church to awaken to this thought that whatever valley we walk through, we can walk through this, changing the atmosphere and the environment around because the living water of God is within us and His Spirit dwells amongst us and wherever we walk, we get to see things changed around. I believe it today. And I want to say to you today, if you are in the Valley of Baca, don't just remain there. Please don't die there. Don't give up there. In fact, Change your narrative and use this moment of walking towards God today and say, Lord, in this valley, let your rain fall upon me. Let my faith and my trust in you and the belief on your word and your promises change the arid place into rushing rains and into pools filled with the life of God as we are walking towards you. We, as the children of God, Yes, we walk towards our gathering places when we gather as a church. And yes, we walk towards the dwelling place when we go and seek the Lord personally. But we are collectively walking through the valley of Baca in this world. And there will be a new Jerusalem. There will be a new temple. There will be a new dwelling place one day where every tear is wiped away and we will fully be with God. So as we walk, let us see the arid places turned into pools of life. That's what the psalmist is inviting us into. And then this section ends with a profound statement. O Lord God of hosts, hear my prayer. Give ear, O God of Jacob. Why does he say that? He's using God's covenant promise name, God of Jacob, who made promises and covenant with Jacob that whenever the people of God walk, there's a promised land, there's a Canaan, there's a new place for them to walk to. And today you might just have to reflect on that. That yes, this world is hard and sometimes it feels like an endless barker. But we who are the children of God have the covenant promises that we are walking towards our new Jerusalem. 
I want to pray for us as a church before we move into the reflection on this section. Just feel a prompting to pray right now for each one of us. And Lord, I pray, Lord, that if we feel like we are in dried up valleys, even in our relationship with you, that we won't stop moving, that we won't stop walking towards you, that we won't stop pursuing you, Lord, but that we would continue walking in faith. And as we do, we see the gushes of your rain. Lord, as it says in Joel 2.23, Lord, that the rain will come, the rain will fall upon your people. In the Spirit, Father, I pray right now that we would have faith, that we are in a season, even though it feels like the Valley of Barca, we are in a season of bringing your life to the world around us. And I pray, Lord, right now as we reflect and as we pause in this thought, that you, Holy Spirit, would minister to every heart. And I pray, Lord, if anyone is stuck in the valley, put them back into motion. Right now, I ask in Jesus' name. The Lord of dried up valleys, the Lord of rushing rain, all who walk towards Him, He strengthens and sustains. pray that by now the Lord has really been, been ministering to you and that you, you feel this invitation to walk towards Him out of the valley if that is you today or maybe there's a valley ahead that you would have faith that He keeps inviting us there. So let's continue in this next section of the psalm. There's a quick moment where the psalmist speak about the king. He says, I'll shield the anointed one, referring back to the king, the anointed one from the Lord. If you remember the second week in our series, um, he is there with us. He walks with us towards Jerusalem. But then we get to the climax of the psalm when it says this, for a day in your courts is better than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my Lord than to dwell in the tents of wickedness. 
I believe what he is saying that even if it means I've got to walk a thousand days through the valley of Baca to get to the courts, to the meeting place of the Lord, it is worth it. And sometimes we give up 10 minutes in. Sometimes we give up 20 minutes in. Sometimes we give up a week after we started seeking the Lord and the psalmist is saying, no, 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 no. Even if it takes a thousand days, that one day with the Lord, that one moment with God in your week is worth more than all of that. Some of us might look at it in this way, that I would love a thousand days on a tropical island with all the luxuries I can enjoy. But he's even challenging that, saying there's nothing in the world that satisfy. There's nothing my heart desire beside you. Being with God, experiencing God, reading the word of God, praying to God is the ultimate thing that man can do. And I'm sure he didn't count a thousand days. He was simply using it as hyperbole to say there's nothing in comparison when I think about meeting with you. In fact, I love it so much that I would rather have the smallest task in your house of opening up a door and closing it than dwell in any tent of wickedness that gives me nothing. And isn't that the invitation to all of our hearts today? Do we want to be with God or do we choose something else? Do we want to be where He is? Do we want to close our eyes and quiet our hearts and think and meditate upon Him? Or are the invitations around us, not always invitations of wickedness, but just other invitations, lesser invitations, luring us away? He says, no, 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 not for me. I'd rather open up doors to be with God than have anything else in this world. And church, honestly, that's the best place we can live. Honestly, it's the only place we can truly live is in that understanding of God's dwelling. And then he concludes saying, for the Lord God is a sun and a shield. The Lord God is my sun, my light giver, the one who gives me life, the one who, who gives me what I need by day to walk. But not only is he a sun, he is also a shield. He is the one shielding me from the scorching sun as I walk through the dry, arid valley of Barca. Isn't that beautiful? It's a little bit like the, the, the Lord of angel armies and the Lord of the sparrow. He's our son. He's the one giving us all of life. And if you think about the significance of the beginning where the Lord said, let there be light and light breaking through. He is our light. And in the same breath, he is the one protecting us from the scorching sun. And then the Lord bestows favor and honor. The Lord lavishly gives. He pours out. He places upon us his pilgrims, those on the way of meeting him, he places on us favor, favor and honor. No good thing does he withhold from those who walk uprightly. No good thing. There's nothing he withholds from you that speaks to his favor and his honor in your life that is being held back. If you walk uprightly, if you go through the valley, if you say, my heart is a highway to the meeting place of meeting the Lord. And then he ends, as so many of the Psalms have showed us already with the word blessed. Blessed is the one who trusts in him. So for our last reflection, 
I want to lead us in this thought. The Lord of endless pleasure, the one of favor and good bestowed upon us and honor upon us, the Lord of endless pleasure, the Lord, our Son, shield and Son, all who walk towards Him, His good bestowed upon. Blessed are those who walk towards Him. So as we conclude this morning, I want you to ask the question, if someone had to peek in your, into your heart, if someone had to peek into my heart, will they find a highway to the place of meeting the Lord, of dwelling with Him, of abiding with Him? Would they find the longing of being with God? The roads that you take, do they lead with longing and desire to that place of encountering Him, of being with Him, of being in His Word, of setting your life upright and walking with Him? Or do they lead elsewhere? And do those roads lead with the people of God, to the people of God, to the church of God, to the place of gathering? And I believe to live blessed, to live planted, is to live like this. And my prayer is that this week, this 84th Psalm will become so real to you that whatever path you are on, it will align completely to the path of meeting, longing, fainting for, desiring the dwelling place of God and that His Spirit lives within you and you can simply take a step forward and He will draw near. And then us collectively, as we get ready to gather into this week, go with excitement because we together as the people of God can gather in the dwelling place of God. Pray that you've been blessed. Pray that if you need prayer today, that you would reach out, maybe to someone in the room, maybe someone in your group, if there's no one that you know that you can reach out to, reach out to us. One of our pastors would love to pray with you. But I bless you this week 
with a longing desire for the Father. I bless you this week with the knowing and the understanding that Jesus has walked through the ultimate valley of Baca so that we can meet the Father. And I bless you today with a deeper knowledge and understanding of the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit in your life.